Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Chargers Podcast Network. My name is Steven, and I am the host, as always, and we have a very special show today. Our guy, Arjun, is going to be joining us. Arjun has some unique insight into this uh, upcoming Chargers and Jets matchup, so we're excited to have him on. Arjun, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? Doing very well. Glad to be recording on Halloween. Uh, obviously not doing anything, and that's why I'm here to record, so <laughs> excited to be talking about Chargers, Jets, obviously. Uh, two teams I'm very familiar with, so excited to be hopping and, t- and talking ball about this one. Yes, uh, happy Halloween to those who celebrate. Obviously, this will be coming out on Wednesday, so hopefully you guys had a good uh, good night out. If you went out, if not, uh, hopefully you had a good time as well. Uh, Tyler is here too, man. Tyler, what's up? How are you doing tonight? Doing great. I'm doing very well. Happy to hear that Arjun is only here because he had nothing else better to do today on Halloween, but that's totally fine. <laughs> I'm doing very well. We're coming off of a Chargers victory the offense did their part. The defense did their part. The special teams did its part. And the Bears, well, I can't say that on this show, so uh, I'll avoid that. But I'm doing very well. Steven, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Uh, we had a, a dress-up day today at school, so I went as a college student. So I got to wear, like, a Utah hoodie to school for once, which was it was funny. Uh, but it was a good time. So uh, hopefully you guys had a good, uh, good night out on Halloween, and that uh, should be fun. Uh, if you don't know Arjun, uh, just a quick little bit about Arjun. He has been working with us on the, the Guilty as Charged channel for the last three seasons. Uh, has obviously a, a data-driven analytical background. Uh, has interned for PFF in this past season, uh, spent this, or this past summer, excuse me, uh, interned for the New York Jets. So I've uh, had to have him on because of our relationship and because of his insight into both of these teams heading into uh, Monday Night Football. We'll also get some of his thoughts and our thoughts as well from the Chargers and Bears matchup, like Tyler mentioned, and uh, should be a little, should be a lot of fun. Should be a fun show today. Uh, as always, before we get started, uh, the three of us are fans of the the Chargers, just like you guys are. We are not Chargers employees. Uh, the opinions that we show on this episode are the, that just that they are opinions first and foremost. They are not the opinions of the Chargers organization. Um, but that being said, we'll have a good show, and uh, I'm excited to dive in today. So. Uh, as always, we are going to do our truths segment. Uh, we think it's important to sit back and take a step back and look at the numbers and the film and, and really evaluate what happened uh, to the Chargers during their uh, previous game. So we'll get some opinions here. Instead of doing five, uh, we're just going to do one each today because we do want to highlight the Chargers and Jets matchup on Monday Night Football. Uh, so Arjun, we'll start with you. When you kind of zoom out about what happened on Sunday Night Football from the Chargers win over the Chicago Bears, what's your biggest truth or takeaway from uh, that game on Sunday night? Yeah, my biggest truth is actually a negative, which is interesting given that the Chargers won by 17. But it is that this run game is not very good. Um, in this, you know, in the in the game against the Bears, the Bears don't have a great run defense, but it's not like terrible either. It's kind of middle of the pack. But the Chargers ran for 54 yards on 25 attempts. They had a rushing success rate of 8%. So basically, on 25 attempts, they were only successful on 8% of those, which basically means they were only staying ahead of the sticks. They were keeping the, keeping the you know, getting closer to scoring points on 8% of those runs. Now, this has been a problem ever since week one. Um, this is a trend that 
since week one, the Chargers ranked dead last in rushing success rate and dead last in rushing expected points added or rushing EPA. So basically, their rushing success rate after or post week one is 23.8%, which means they are only staying on schedule 23.8% of the time when they're running the ball. Now, that is a huge problem. That's 7% lower than the 31st, the 31st place team, which is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And again, that that just can't happen. That after week one, I think everyone was so excited about this run game, and then everything's kind yes. of gone downhill from there. And I think with a seven-game sample size, we can kind of rule out those. Oh, they played a tough run defense like Tennessee, or Brian Flores is lining up eight men in the box every single play. Or now they've had Will Clapp in the lineup for multiple games, and you can't really point to the Corey Lindsley absence because they've had the same offensive line on the field for like the past four weeks. So I think it's a huge issue. Obviously, they didn't really need to run the ball and chew clock out against the Bears, but going forward, if they want to close out some of these one-score games where they've struggled with this season, I think they have to be able to improve their run game. I'm glad you brought that up. And just looking at the numbers, Joshua Kelly, it's his best year in terms of yards after contact per attempt, yards per attempt. And Stephen, you brought up an interesting point earlier on social media, and I'll let you get to that in just a second. It seems like the Chargers should be, now I'm not saying 20 times a game, but pivoting towards a Joshua Kelly-centered rushing attack while allowing Austin Eckler to be what he's great at, which is more of a receiver at this point. This is unfortunately Austin Eckler's worst yards per attempt and rushing uh, yards over expected of his career, the worst yards after contact of his career. And that's not to say he's a bad running back, not to say he has nothing left in the tank, but we're starting to see what we maybe did start to see at the early part of last season, which is that Austin Eckler has accumulated a lot of touches, a lot of carries, a lot of hits, a lot of injuries. And over time, that, of course, limits your efficiency. And we're starting to see Joshua Kelly, who's much younger and pretty explosive as is, start to become better. And at this point, I am sort of feeling like until the run game really starts to get fixed and maybe the blocking starts to get better, and maybe you, you know, change things with the blocking tight end unit, which they already did today by waving Trey McKitty. So we'll see what happens there. I feel that this team needs to start leaning to Joshua Kelly, the runner. I'm not saying again, that they have to do that 20 times, but I feel like they should lean into him that way. One, because he's been more efficient so far. And two, I think it suits what the Chargers are doing or want to do in the run game maybe a bit better. And so, Steven, you talked about the difference between the way they're rushing the football with Joshua Kelly and Austin Eckler. What have you seen on tape? Yeah, I think when you really dive into what we're, we've been seeing, I think we're seeing two different styles for this Chargers rushing attack when it comes to these running backs. And I feel like the whole thing in, in training camp and in the preseason was this is – physical this is downhill this is vertical this is gap this is counter this is the uh, pin and pull play it's a lot of north and south and i think that really fit the skill sets of the guys that they had with joshua kelly obviously leading the the charge among the preseason backs and isaiah spiller and elijah dotson all three of those guys are north and south runners um and, and i think that led to a lot of the the excitement around the rushing attack and obviously they had uh, you know, over 600 yards rushing in the three preseason games. And then the aforementioned week one where they ran for 230 yards or whatever the, the, the number was. And I think with Austin Eckler coming back from his injury, I think we're seeing them do a little bit more of an emphasis on outside zone, which just, it just doesn't fit like what we've been seeing work well with this team. And, and in particular, I'm noticing a lot of like 12 personnel outside zone looks with this tight end group, which is really struggling blocking right now. 
And so the run game is definitely struggling, like Arjun mentioned. And I think it's important to workshop some of these uh, potential uh, reasons and potential successes as well. And to me, the, the outside of like personnel, the first change that I would like to see is like get north and south, like trust your physical vertical running attack that you have built the whole thing around. There's no real need for me to pivot to an outside zone rushing attack just because Austin Eckler came back. Austin Eckler can do the vertical stuff, but Joshua Kelly, that's what he's built for. And in a game where you're blowing out the other team, for Joshua Kelly to have six carries to me feels like a mistake. And I feel like a lot of that was in the first quarter. So I, I think just like the identity that Kellen Moore came here with, you just need to keep leaning into that. And that's that vertical physical rushing attack. And I think these outside zone looks are really just not doing anything for you. Yeah, and another stat I wanted to talk about. Um, so at PFF, we have a rushing yards over expected model. So basically, we're trying to predict how many yards a runner is going to get on the play based on situational factors like down and distance, where they are on the field, as well as taking into account how good the blocking is on that play. So the number of positive blocks that were recorded by any offensive lineman or tight end and the amount of negative blocks. The Chargers, outside of the red zone, so not you know, filtering those red zone plays, the Chargers rank dead last in terms of expected yards. So they're not putting their runners in a good position to succeed, whether that is the tight end room, whether that is the offensive lineman, or like you said, Steven, the scheme is just not putting the off anyone in success to, to succeed, at least in the run game. They're, they've only been expected to gain 3.38 yards outside of the red zone, which, again, that's dead last in the NFL. Only the Chiefs, the Chiefs are 31st. So... Um, and they're 31st by like 0.2 yards. So the Chargers are last by a pretty, I would say, significant margin. So that's definitely something that needs to be fixed. I just wanted to add another uh, stat to the plate. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Steven, do you feel that this downhill approach would also just better suit the tight ends that they have? Is this something that Gerald Everett, Donald Parham, Stone Smart can at least be more successful with? Or do you feel that it's just kind of more the offensive line? Well, I think it, it mitigates a little bit more the responsibility of the tight end room because if you're doing more power stuff, there you can build in more double teams. You can build in uh, mm -hmm. more ways to get the tight ends on the move as opposed to outside zone. If you're on the front side, you have to set the edge. Like You have to go out against these edge rushers and set the edge. Or you're, if you're on the backside of an outside zone, you have to cut off an edge rusher like Max Crosby. And that's just – we saw what he did on Monday Night Football, right? Like It's just not – a recipe for success so if you're doing more power concepts you can build in more double teams you can build in those opportunities like brett coleman did that awesome breakdown of joshua kelly's touchdown run against the chiefs where uh they kind of had gerald everett in an offset thing and then he had a running start to a linebacker like that's that's the kind of stuff that i'm looking more for with this offense and i think it just suits joshua kelly's uh skill set better but um, the touches thing definitely has to improve. Like Joshua Kelly getting six touches is just not going to cut it. Like he's a power back. He needs these touches to get into a rhythm and also the offensive line. Like you can't be flip flopping back and forth between power outside zone and expect the offensive line to be in a rhythm when every other play they're kind of switching rushing identity. So mm -hmm. I, I think that's showing up on tape and obviously Arjun is, is correct here. It's showing up in the numbers as well. All right, I will pivot to something more positive because obviously they did win. And for all we can say about the rushing lack of success and the rushing attack not working so well, what did work well was the passing game. And in particular, Kellen Moore leaning into yak over depth of target. It was huge for this offense and specifically for their personnel. 
And what it really felt like was Kellen Moore wasn't just doing what was best to express his vision for the offense and what was best for Kellen Moore's offense. It was what was best, especially at this point in the season, for Justin Herbert. And so by doing that, it was what was best for the offense. You look at this, this group without Mike Williams and then Josh Palmer, questionable going into the game and then hurt during the game, their vertical options are currently limited. And so they really played to the strengths of Austin Eckler, of Donald Parham, and of course, Quentin Johnston, really played into their strengths. I mean, this team only had 92 yards after the catch against Kansas City. They had 208 yards after the catch against the Bears. I mean, significantly, significantly better. That shallow crosser from Quentin Johnston, we've seen it uh, several times now. We love replaying it. He, missed, he forced three missed tackles on that play alone. Uh, Keenan Allen has only forced three missed tackles all season. And Quentin Johnson on that play alone forced three. And Steven, you talked about, you know, throwing the Chris Berman whoop because all he was doing <laughs> was making Bears defenders miss. I mean, he yeah. put the Bears on ice. It was exactly what he was good at. They allowed him to be that. Lo and behold, excellent from him. Donald Parham was an absolute force after the catch, especially on that touchdown. He was fantastic. They allowed him a couple of like delays out to the flat for him to be involved. He was excellent there. He was physical. He made guys miss. Of course, Austin Eckler had his best game. He was fantastic. The Chargers scored on all three of their touchdowns were scores from outside the red, the red zone. Shallow crosser, dump off, screen. They allowed their guys to get into the end zone, outside of the end zone. They didn't have to throw it down the field. Um, of course, when you're really close to the end zone, of course, you're not throwing it down into the field. But still, they allowed their guys after the catch to be successful, and they were. And so Herbert, you know, through all of this, was only pressured eight times in total, all game, and only five pressures allowed by the offensive line. And his time to throw went from 2.91 seconds and 2.7 seconds the past two weeks to 2.46. And it was just a brilliant adjustment that the Chargers really needed especially ahead of the defensive front they're going to face this week where they are on pace for 398 pressures this season. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to the Jets pass rush here in a second. Um, but, you know, it's just it was really nice to see Kellen Moore make these adjustments. And then this is why I was preaching patience for the offense like all over the last few weeks. Like you have to realize that this team and this coaching staff is is adjusting to life without Mike Williams, adjusting to life without Corey Lindsay. You know, Quentin Johnson is is coming along. Um and, and you just have these different different I think I mean this game you don't have Gerald Everett. Josh Palmer has the knee injury. Like you have to account for this new offensive coaching staff. I know that there's a lot of similar position coaches, right? But Kellen Moore is doing all of this for the first time with the Chargers. And so for him to come out and have this specifically the passing plan I think really shows an area of growth for where this offense can continue to go because we know that they can hit the deep shots. We know that they can hit the deep overs. Those are the Kellen Moore staples that we've seen lead to, you know, Keenan Allen having such a, a high level of, of deep passing uh, successful plays this year. You know, we know that they can hit the deep over for Josh Palmer for a big play and uh, Quentin Johnson, hopefully in the future, but we need to see more singles or we needed to see more singles, more doubles. And I think we saw that uh, on Sunday night against the bears. Arjun, what did you make of the kind of the, the more quick passing game approach from Kellen Moore on Sunday. Yeah, no, I, I loved it. Um, I, I've been a big fan of what Kellen Moore has been putting together uh, in the passing game this, this year. Like, I think in the Dallas game, uh, we saw Justin kind of have those uncharacteristic misses, but guys were open. Like, he was scheming guys open, or Keenan was getting yeah. open by, um, 
you know, by Kellen's play design. And so I definitely think like he's done a great job. One of the things that I've loved about his, uh, his passing scheme is the explosives, right? That's one of the things that we wanted to see be upgraded from Joe Lombardi's scheme last year. And I think that's definitely something we're seeing this year. This year, the Chargers have currently 30, pa 30 passes of 20 plus yards. So that's what you would define um, as an explosive play. And that ranks fifth in the league and they've had a bye week. So they're, in terms of per game, they're probably a little bit higher than that. And as Tyler talked about, like you want to complement that with a short yak game, which is what fits into Quentin Johnson's abilities, Darius Davis, if you want to get him involved like that. Austin Eckler, obviously one of the best in the league at turning a check down of negative two yards into six yards. So yeah. I think kind of complementing that explosive pass game, which they've been able to do despite not having maybe the fastest receivers with that shorter yak game, I think will be super helpful to this offense, mainly because if you look at the Chargers, they, you know, um, going back to the advanced stats, they rank like pretty high in terms of expected points added, which Expected points added kind of, uh, or EPA is, is kind of skewed by explosive plays. But in terms of success rate, which is measuring how well you're staying ahead of schedule, they haven't, they're more like average, not a top five passing offense. So they're a bit, they've been explosive, but that's coming at the expense of them keeping, being on schedule. And I think having that short yak game will kind of complement that explosive passing game really well. And overall, that kind of marriage of that short and deep game, the single, the hitting a single or hitting a home run, I think that's where you want the Chargers to be and they have the personnel to do that. Yeah, yeah uppercuts an and, and knockouts are really cool, but you got to have those body blows too. And it was really cool to see that the Chargers had that, but then you don't miss out on the deep throws. Sure, there's fewer, of course, but you still have the corner route to Keenan Allen. You still have that deep pass to, to Donald Parham. Like They were still able to push the ball down the field while still keeping ahead of the chains, um, ahead of the down and distance, et cetera, because of the body blows. So it worked out phenomenally. It was a great, great game plan. Look at us cross-referencing boxing and baseball and on a football show. Look at us. I love it. <laughs> I'm terrible um, at both. <laughs> all right. Uh, my truth of the game is that this was the return of Mr. Joey Bosa. This was uh, the best game of his season for sure. Obviously, he's been dealing with the hamstring and the toe injury. Um, you know, the numbers are not eye-popping. This isn't the six-sack game from Khalil Mack, but still... Uh, for Joey Bosa to come in for this game and post his five total pressures, one sack, one quarterback hit, still a very impressive game against a team that was doing a lot of six-man protections, running the football um, in that kind of game script, rotating as, as much as they do with Thule as well. I think you saw Joey really flash what has made him so great for such an extended period of time. Um, this was really the first time where I sit back and I watch his tape and I feel like I really felt his power come back, really felt his explosiveness off the football come back. And there were some reps where he had the Bears offensive tackles, albeit not great offensive tackles, they're still NFL offensive tackles, um, had them turning like a top, flowing, flowing around with both arms up, looking like the uh, car dealership uh, inflatable machine out there. <laughs> and just putting these offensive tackles and guards in the quarterback lap was, was a true treat to see. Um, he had three run stops as well, really made his presence felt in that regard. And so this is huge news for the Chargers. Um, this means that the Chargers can get out there with their four-man combination of Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Morgan Fox, and Thule at a much more frequent level and just get after, folks. And this is especially important against the Jets on Monday Night Football because the Jets have one of the longest distance to goes on third downs, which is, I don't know if we were going to talk about that, um, but the Jets are not staying ahead of the sticks. And this is definitely a game 
where this four-man combination should be out there very often and should be able to get after the passer. So uh, Joey Bosa had his highest pass rush win rate as a starter since week two of last season. We've seen him have some pretty big games at the end of last season, you know, as a reserve in terms of win rate. But he had a win rate of 23.8% according to PFF, which is his highest uh, of the season by far. It's the only game of the season where he's been above 20% so far this year. Uh, so this is huge news for the Chargers. Joey Bosa making his presence known on Sunday Night Football. And I'm really excited to see what this trio of edge rushers can really look like now that all three of them are healthy. Yeah, it's amazing what you can do when your toe isn't fractured or recovered <laughs> from it. Um, I took Playing like with a steel toe boot on, basically. Yeah, I, I think that helps when you don't have to do that. I took like two weeks off from the gym because my shoulder hurt. I, I certainly didn't have to go face NFL tackles week in and week out with a, with a shoulder injury. Granted, Joey Bosa is a bit more physically talented and very tough. But still, like him returning to form was awesome. And the Chargers, they gave up that explosive play on the first play of the game. And you think, oh, goodness, here we go. But Joey Bosa responded and absolutely knocked over the left guard. Um, was a terror uh, for most of the night for them. Again, it wasn't like the six-sack performance like you said, but five pressures, a sack, the run stops, etc. That's what we needed from Joey Bosa. That's what we've been waiting to see. And I am sure that these edge rushers are absolutely excited about the Jets next week because of the stat you said and all we'll get into in just a bit. I mean, we can we can kind of talk about the Jets. I feel like the Jets have five missing offensive linemen right now. Yes. Dwayne Brown's yeah. on IR. Connor McGovern and Wes Schweitzer just went on IR. Elijah Vera Tucker, one of the best young offensive linemen in the league, went on IR. They're missing five. And Joe Tipman, their second-round pick, who was playing great when he was healthy, is on IR or is, is out. So as Tyler talked about, Joey won that rep to get the sack over a guard. The the Jets are missing three interior offensive linemen. They're playing Billy Turner at right guard, who's normally who's played tackle his whole life. They're playing him out of position. And you have, and I don't think Joey's athletic enough to do the Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett thing where he lines up over the center like Melvin Ingram. But the Jets are starting Xavier Newman, who just got signed to their practice squad two weeks ago off the street. So if there's ever a time for Joey to be feasting on the interior, I think this matchup versus the Jets is the one. Yeah, we've seen Thule do that as well, yeah. so should be should be fun there. Um, all right, guys, any other final thoughts before we get to our game ball about the uh, Chargers' uh, performance against the Bears? Nope. All right. Hey, guys, VIP ticket packages for the first ever Super Bowl in Las Vegas are now on sale, and only on location offers all-inclusive experiences worthy of the entertainment capital of the world. Ticket packages boast an array of offerings such as premium seating to the game, epic pregame parties with headline talent, NFL legend appearances, premium drinks and fare, and much more. Visit NFLOnLocation.com or search NFL On Location today. Your football experience of a lifetime awaits only with On Location. Tyler, why don't you uh, kick us off? Who's your game ball of the week? My game ball of the week is a bit different. I'm going to go with a trio of coaches. That is right. Jay Rogers, the interior defensive line coach and run game coordinator. Giff Smith, who works with the edge rushers like Joey Bosa. And Jeff Howard, the linebackers coach. And this is not even just really a game ball. It's really kind of a half-season game ball and award, I think, for how much better this run defense has been. I'm not saying they're even an elite run defense right now, but they are way better than what we were hoping for going into this season really without many changes this is for the most part the same group 
Obviously, bring in Nick Williams, Eric Kendricks. But for the most part, these guys are all the same. Oh, and that Thule guy's pretty good, too. But I think just this trio of coaches has got so much out of this group against the run and also rushing the passer. They're getting better and better. Like, this pass rush unit has another tier or two to go with Joey returning, and they're always, you know, already doing so well so far. The reason the defense is in it at all in most games is because of this front seven. So the game ball to me goes to those three coaches because they continue to pass the test in particular against the run. Yeah, we talked about that on our show uh, live, that this was going to be a big test for this for this uh, Chargers defensive front, and the Bears wanted to run the football, and they did. And uh, 3.8 yards per carry is, is uh, no, it was lower than that, excuse me. Um, but defensive front played well for sure. Uh, Arjun, if you had to pick a game ball for this week, who would it be for you? Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll go with Donald Parham. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think he stepped up well in Gerald Everett's absence. Four catches, 43 yards, a nice touchdown where he kind of, you know, t- took two defenders for a ride. Where he caught the ball at like the six or seven, and then was able to turn up field really quickly and outstretch for a touchdown. He also had a really nice catch on a crossing route with a defender draped all over his back. That was a dime by Herbert, but I thought yeah, that was, was a great, great catch as well, given the type of coverage that Parham was seeing. So. Um, there weren't, you know, I think it was a it was a good win. I don't know if there was a lot of standouts, but I thought Parham definitely stepped up in Everett's absence. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I, I think for me, uh, I, I want to give this game ball to Alohi Gilman. I know the stats are not necessarily eye-popping, but we talked about this heading into the game on our show. He's just He just has a tendency to be this spark plug for this Chargers defense and specifically the secondary. Um, you know, he did not get the interception. It was obviously Derwin James, but... Alohi Gilman was the cause of the interception. I think just the way that he played on the back end, you could really feel his stabilizing presence and what he was really meaning for this team. So uh, interception goes to Derwin. I think the credit really goes to to Alohi Gilman for what the play that he made on that football run defense, playing the, the free safety position, which is not really his natural position anyway. Um, just really has a stabilizing presence back there. So I wanted to give Alohi Gilman a shout out. He'll get my game ball today. Yeah, he's been a closer for them. The last time he played was against the Vikings, and he, in two separate drives, was huge in them stopping the Vikings there. And, of course, in, in this game, another great pass breakup. Pops the ball up. Derwin James picks it up. Like, he, There are just some guys you need to just be good at football. You know, Is he the flashiest name? Is he even the flashiest safety on the team? No. But he's so important to this team, and you can really tell this defense is just better when Alohi Gilman is out there. And that's no disrespect to Dean Marlowe either. Yeah, Dean, Dean had been playing pretty well, too. So, um, All right, let's get to some of this uh, Chargers-Jets talk. Obviously, Monday Night Football in New Jersey. It's a big game. Uh, wanted to have Arjun on here because I think it's it's such a fascinating thing that the Jets are 4-3 right now because I think if you had told any Jets fan, heck, if you had told Arjun, the July version of Arjun, that the Jets are going to lose Aaron Rodgers, all the offensive linemen that we just mentioned, uh and they're going to be four and three. I think everybody in New York, New Jersey would have been shocked. So Arjun, I just kind of want you to set the table here a little bit because you were there. What were the, what was the vibe around the jets with Aaron Rodgers? What were like really the expectations heading into the season with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback? Yeah. I mean, I won't lie. I think there was a lot of Super Bowl aspirations there for good reason. I mean, he, he really looked good during training camp and it's obviously unfortunate uh, that the MetLife turf claimed him four plays into the season yeah but yeah I mean this is a team that yeah if you told me that in July I'd probably be a little bit shocked given (laughs) how hard the Jets schedule was to start but I think the Jets 
you know, obviously speaking, they've done very well. They've been, they've been very scrappy, been pulling out some of these close games that, you know, usually you need a good quarterback or an elite quarterback to win these close games. And Zach Wilson, object, objectively speaking, hasn't been a great quarterback to start his career, but he's kind of turned around the way he's played football. He's taking care of the football a little bit more. His turnover-worthy play rate is much lower this year. In fact, it's lower than Justin Herbert. So, you know, you look at some of the things wow. that they've changed. Um, obviously, getting Brees Hall back, one of the most electric backs in the game, has been huge. But I still think this is a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. The defense is playing as good as anyone, and we'll talk about like why they're playing so good. And you know, and they've put some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in a blender. And ha- some of the w- best quarterbacks in the league have had their worst performances against this Robert Sala-led uh, Jets defense. Yeah, this defense is really, really good. And when we all pick the Chargers to either win or lose, but by like a 13 to 14 or 17 to 18 sort of score this week because this defense is really really good for the Jets Um, but the offense is kind of what I want to stay focused on here because yeah I I think we all I think unanimously picked the Jets to make the playoffs in some capacity and that was certainly because of Aaron Rodgers if you told me that it would have been Zach Wilson at quarterback don't think I would have picked that one Picked the (laughs) Dolphins or anybody else but they've been solid uh not counting the last game where that was the uh, third most punts in nfl history in a game although the giants did contribute to that as well what have you seen from zach wilson this year maybe even compared to last year so between different offensive coordinators from this year to last year maybe just having breeze hall in there um, of course garrett wilson stepping up in year two etc what have you seen arjun or even steven from zach wilson this year that's maybe different. Has he taken any step forward outside of the turnover-worthy play rate? Because the stats are so interesting. He's third in aggressiveness in the NFL this season, but he's not completing these passes either. He's only 27 completions over, I think, 10 yards this season. Justin Herbert has 39. Josh Dobbs has 43. I mean, Derek Carr has 38. You know, so like they're, they're very aggressive, but they're not really completing that aggressiveness. And then, of course, the, the one thing, and I'm curious where you feel this is the issue, Arjun, you know, as Stephen pointed out earlier, the Jets have the longest distance to go on third down at over eight yards. And they are also the worst by quite a bit in EPA per play on third down at almost like negative four EPA per play or whatever it is, which is not great. Um, so Arjun or Stephen, what have you seen from Zach Wilson this year? Uh, and then what's going on with that, that inefficiency, especially on third down? Yeah, I mean, I can jump in real quick. So like I talked about, his, his turnover-worthy play rate is down. His ADOT is also about two yards lower than it was last year. He's, he's throwing the ball a little bit quicker. But I think this Jets offense is tough to, tough to explain because Nathaniel Hackett was hired for a reason. Aaron Rodgers had two of the best years of his career under Hackett. They install you know, an offense for, Nathaniel, for Aaron Rodgers, uh, Nathaniel Hackett obviously tailoring a lot of things. Uh, for Aaron Rodgers, one of the biggest things that Rodgers loves is not to use motion. Despite, you know, if, if we talk about which teams use motion the most often in the NFL this year, it's the Dolphins, the Niners, the Rams, the Chiefs, and the Chargers. Those are five of the best offenses in the NFL in terms, in, you know, and they use motion the most often. The Jets are only using motion on about 37% of their plays, which is the sixth lowest. That is Again, what Aaron Rodgers wanted, and Zach Wilson, unfortunately, or I wouldn't say unfortunately, he is basically running the Aaron Rodgers offense. Now, even when he is running motion, he only has a 37% success rate, which is the third lowest. So um, there aren't a lot of great things about this Jets offense. The biggest thing, I think, is the Zach Wilson-Garrett Wilson connection. That is has been very good, especially out of structure, in structure. 
Um, I think Wilson's also done a great job with some of these in-breaking routes. I think that's where he has the most success on some of these play action, uh, like drift routes or crossing routes. I think that's where we've, I've seen him make some of those, some of his best throws on the year, that Chiefs game. He had a couple of nice throws across the middle. Um, but I think where it can get a little bit tough for them is, is you know, when no one's open, I think he does panic a little. Panic a little. I don't think he's that great out of structure either. He'll make a couple of throws now and then, but I think if you're able to, you know, force him outside the pocket, it's most likely going to result in a negative play than it is in a positive play. Yeah, I think if you look at the the numbers, you know, Arjun pointing out the the areas that are different, but I think you watch the the tape a little bit here, and I think the biggest thing is that he's willing to take the checkdowns more often now. Mm-hmm. Um, that was such an issue previously where it was like. He was essentially living like, you know, the phrase that a lot of quarterback gurus will use is like touchdown or check down. And like meaning like you go vertical and then you check it down. I felt like previously Zach Wilson was always like was touchdown or scramble, like touchdown or scramble was yeah. his progression. And so he's he's taking the check downs more this year. Um, the return of Brees Hall is huge there. I mean, he's not like a super prolific receiver by any means, but he's got, you know, 189 yards receiving so far this year. Um, his a dot is literally zero. So he, he's, he's been like the beneficiary of Zach Wilson, um, you know, being able to take the checkdowns more often. So I think that's been the key thing. Um, but Garrett Wilson is, is the engine of this offense. I think Garrett Wilson is the, is the key reason for why it looks better, even though the points are not there, like the jets are not scoring at a super high level, but they're more efficient. I feel like, and Garrett Wilson is really like the key reason there as, as a receiving threat. Yeah, Garrett Wilson leading the way, of course. Brees Hall leading the way. And after that, their options behind them are not working out. I mean, Brees Hall is first, according to next-gen stats, in rushing yards over expected. The guy who's last in rushing yards over expected is Dalvin Cook. And Alan Lazard, their wide receiver two right now, has fewer receiving yards than Mike Williams, who hasn't played since week three. <laughs> um, so that's kind of what it's like for the Jets right now. Like, it is very much so Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson, who are excellent and doing excellent work right now. And I believe Brees Hall even has a higher yards per route run than Austin Eckler, and I think like seventh right now. So Brees Hall can do everything. I know that was Steven's RB1 coming out of the draft that one year. They're awesome. If you can stop them, of course, and get to the other options or force the other options, it is clearly not as productive. Yeah. And, you know, I I think this is going to be an interesting challenge for the defense because – it's so one person central in Garrett Wilson right now. And obviously the last time we had an offense that was one person central, it didn't go so well. I, I think Brandon Slaley wants to be, you know, a, a well-rounded defense, but this is going to be a game where you have to let the other guys beat you and really focus in on Garrett Wilson here. So uh, let's move into this def- this Jets defense a little bit, because this is one of the nastiest fronts in the league. In my opinion, uh, Carl Lawson is a guy who had, over 50 pressures last season and he can't even get on the field right now for this Jets defense so Arjun I know if you watched hard knocks like you saw specifically Quinn and Williams in this defensive line just like really be the biggest story outside of Aaron Rodgers so do you feel like the Jets defensive line has has been living up to these expectations that were set out uh, back in, in back in the summer I think they have and honestly like I, I want to give a shout out to another unit I want to give a shout out to the line or well, shout out because I worked with the, I was worked at the team. You're good. We got you. Like yeah. the, the linebacking unit for the sure. Jets, Quincy Williams and C.J. Mosley right now, for my money, could be the second best linebacking duo in the league behind Fred Warner and Trey Greenlaw. You could make the argument that they're even be- they played better this season. 
Quincy Williams obviously signed a three-year, $18 million extension. A lot of people at the time thought it was an overpay because he had one kind of like, okay, like above average season, but you don't usually pay players like that much money after that. But he's definitely proven to be uh, one of the better linebackers in the league. I think he's one of the best pursuit linebackers where if you throw a screen pass or a swing pass to a running back, he's always there. And I think he's done a tremendous job in the run game. So I think more than the defensive line, honestly, I think this linebacking room has been such a stabilizing presence for the Jets. Given that they've had games where they've had Sauce Gardner out, they've had DJ Reed out, they've had uh, their starting safety out, like they've had injuries in the secondary, but I think because of the linebacking room of CJ Mosley and Quincy Williams, they've done such a good job against the run, uh, taking away explosive plays and just being an overall a great presence for setting up the defensive line for success as well. It is unfair that you can have Will McDonald take 41 pass rush snaps and Carl Lawson take 43 pass rush snaps and be on pace for almost 400 pressures this season. <laughs> this front is so good, and Chargers fans yeah. will totally get this, this front is so good that they almost blitz as much as Gus Bradley and the Colts because they don't <laughs> need to to get pressure. They only blitz 0.4% more than the Colts, which is 31st in the league. That's how good this front is. Now Gus Bradley does that by choice. The 49ers don't need to because of how these guys get pressure. Right. They are excellent, and I am terrified of this group. I was terrified of the Cowboys front, of course, and, and that certainly did not look pretty in many moments. This Jets front is unfortunately even better, and their linebackers are actually healthy. Yeah, this is a, this is a really difficult matchup for the Chargers offense. This is going to be a matchup where you have to get the run game going this week. This is definitely a game where you're trying to protect Justin Herbert, you know, limit the chances of, of making these mistakes because you look at these defensive linemen for the Jets and it's just it's just mind blowing. Bryce Huff, one of the most efficient pass rushers in the league, has really kind of taken that next step so far this year. Um, you know, Quinnen Williams, I think, is is arguably the best non Aaron Donald defensive tackle in the league, depending on how you feel about him and Chris Jones, but he's in that conversation. Um, you know, Jermaine John uh Jermaine Johnson, Quentin Jefferson, John Franklin Myers, like this is this is a deep and explosive defensive line in the Chargers. Offensive line has not, uh, outside of the Vikings game, which was more about like scheme um, and aggression, they haven't necessarily risen to the challenge. And that was obviously when Corey Lindsay was healthy. So I think the Chargers offensive line had their best game this past week against the Bears. I think hopefully you're you're seeing some of the, the kinks get worked out that had been giving them struggles. But Going from the Bears to the Jets is is a pretty drastic game for this Chargers offensive line. So I'm curious to see how Brandon Staley and, and Kellen Moore get this unit prepared for this because this is potentially the, the toughest defense that this Chargers offense will see all, all season long. One thing I did want to point out also, um, I was looking at this last week actually, so I wanted to look at like pressure rate and time to pressure on non-blitzes. So the Jets rank fifth in pressure rate when they don't blitz so when they only send four rushers yeah. but they actually have like an average time to pressure of about 2.6 seconds so they're getting pressure but they're not getting pressure super quickly which i think speaks to how good this coverage unit is of sauce gardner dj reed michael carter and then the linebackers obviously mentioned like it, you know you're not going to get open quickly they also rank I, so with PFF, I have a stat called perfectly covered plays. Just basically, does every defender in coverage do their job or receive a, a zero or a positive grade by PFF? The Jets rank top five in terms of perfectly covered rate on defense. So their coverage is, is doing their job, which allows their pass rush to have more time to get home, which they are at about a 
38% clip so on non-blitzes. And like Tyler talked about, they don't need to blitz because they have a great front four. Um, I will say one, one thing that did happen, Al, uh, Al Woods tore his Achilles. He's not a huge part of what the Jets do. He's more of a run-stopping. He's a huge, like, 6'6", 340-pound defensive lineman. But that forces guys like Quinton Jefferson to, to play more on early downs. Jefferson, sure. I think, is more of a pass-rushing specialist who can mix in on early downs. But adding those snaps onto, uh, onto his plate, I think, could reduce his efficiency. So there are things, I think, that play into the Chargers' favor. But, yeah, I think overall this is probably the best front four the Chargers are going to see for the course of the season, maybe maybe outside of the Dallas Cowboys. So I'm looking for like any optimism here. Is there any discernible <laughs> either weakness in this defense or maybe just an area the Chargers are good at that maybe the Jets have trouble defending? I certainly can't think of anything right now other than Justin Herbert make good play, which happens frequently and can happen. But other than that, is there something that is maybe sustainable that the Chargers will try to exploit this week if possible at all? Yeah, the, the one thing from a data perspective that I was looking at that the Chargers, that matches up well is running outside of the right tackle spots, running to Trey Pipkin's outside shoulder. So the Chargers this year are averaging, um, they're averaging about like a 50, they're actually averaging a 50% success rate when they run outside of Trey Pipkin's right shoulder, which is, above, which is like about 6% higher than the league average success rate in those situations. The Jets' worst uh, the Jets' run defense worst gap is when teams run outside the right tackle's right shoulder. So the Chargers' best, or one of the best run gaps for the Chargers is running to Trey Pipkin's outside shoulder, and that's where the the Jets' defense struggle as well. And part of that is because Bryce Huff, Will McDonald, they're, they're very good at rushing the passer, but they're also undersized pass rushers. Even Jermaine Johnson, like, he's very athletic. I wouldn't, very athletic. I wouldn't say he has a ton of power. He's, he definitely has a bull rush in his arsenal, but I definitely think he can be a liability against the run. He likes to line up over the right tackle, whereas uh, JFM is over the left tackle. So when you talk about establishing the run game, you know, this could be a big Trey Pipkin, Jamari Sawyer, whoever the tight end is going to be outside of Trey Pipkins. I think if you want to run the ball, running it to that right tackle spot outside the right tackle shoulder, um, that because that's, that's where statistically the Chargers have been good and also the Jets defense has struggled. Yeah, I think that checks out. I think Jamari and Trey, like they have some communication issues from a pass protection standpoint, but I, I've really loved watching them run block. And I think this past week, uh, seeing Kellen Moore introduce the Jordan McFadden Hulk package was was a really nice surprise. I would like to see that continue this week and uh, maybe just kind of hammer that point home. So I think this is normally the three of us advocate for big Justin Herbert games. I think this needs to be a big <laughs> running back game too and, and maybe get some jet sweeps with Darius Davis and Quentin Johnson and uh, just really establish the run, so to speak, this week. Yeah, fine by me. I, I This is a week where I really don't care how they get it done on offense. Just yeah. get like... 17 points and you're probably winning this game especially yeah. traveling traveling across the country so you can get to 17 and that's pretty good yeah I, I think if you're a betting person i think you're smashing the under this week is what i'm <laughs> gathering from this conversation today yeah definitely. uh so yeah you know this was a lot of fun i think this is going to be a really interesting trench matchup if you're if you're a fan of the trenches you're a fan of film this is this should be a game that should be really exciting to watch for you back on tape, and I'm excited to, to get to that point. Uh, so we are <laughs> – we got a, an appearance from Galadriel tonight. Love it. Uh, very fitting on Halloween that the, the dog makes an appearance. Um, all right, Arjun, uh, any final thoughts before we head out for tonight? No, uh, I really appreciate you guys having me on as well. This was, a, this was a very fun conversation to have, and 
yeah, I'm excited for both. I'm excited for this game, obviously, with rooting interest for both teams. I just hope that both teams come out of there uh, relatively healthy, given all the injuries that have happened on MetLife at the MetLife turf. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully nothing major there. Tyler, any final thoughts before we head out? I'm so bummed. Arjun just said that, dude. Uh, I hope for <laughs> nothing but health and happiness the rest of the way. Yeah, health and happiness. That's good. Uh, all right, guys, uh, that's going to do it for us tonight. As always, make sure like, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. We really appreciate it. Uh, we're obviously very grateful of the Chargers who have this platform. and appreciate Greg Kim and Brian Jorgensen for producing tonight. Uh, that's going to do it for us. We'll see you guys next week. As always, bolt up.